Uncontrollable love is uncontainable, inconceivable, and therefore uncomfortable. Hmm. Hey, I hope you're all doing okay today. Maybe some of you are getting those vaccinations. That is a great thing. The temperature is a lot more suitable for humans today. Yes, that's I like for that. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first Sunday of Lent. It is the first is, Sunday of Lent. Which is the season where we often sort of contemplate our mortality, but I think we've been doing that all year. Absolutely, maybe. yeah. But maybe this is where, like, in a way that's beyond, I don't know, beyond the headlines or beyond maybe, I don't know, this is a time to, I don't know. Well, you know, did you know that today is uh, actually, it's known in the church year as Quadragesima Sunday? Does that mean the first Sunday of Lent? It means 40 days. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the beginning of the 40 days. So, you know, if I can't, you know, if I couldn't finish my um, thought on deeper contemplation, I thought at least I could throw a Latin word out there. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I wonder if there's a way we can... Uh, think about death in a way that's life-giving. Do you think that's possible? I think that's. I think so. I think that is the purpose of Lent. To, yeah. To, to, to consider out consider death in a way that's life-giving. All right. Yeah. So welcome to Lent, everyone. Yeah. Welcome to Lent. Hey, and if you really want to start off your Lent right, this podcast. Well, wait a minute. I don't know how this is going to work. This is the podcast. comes out at 5 o'clock. And uh, many of us are gathered now, I guess, at 5 o'clock at the actual House of Mercy for Condomas, right? Which is the, uh, the, uh, movable feast. The, it's, an, it's a movable feast, and it celebrates Jesus being presented in the temple for circumcision, I believe. Um, or just to be blessed, um, and uh, but it's also a time in the history because it's built on an uh, ancient pre-Christian um, sort of holiday uh, ritual, right, where the community would come together and they would all light their candles and their lamps together, and they would ask them their blessings from the gods, and they would go and bring those candles. And the you know symbolizing the warmth of love community into their homes, um, so they continue to be warm for the rest of the winter. So Condomas that's uh, is based on that. Saint. It's also known as Saint Bridget's Feast. Yeah. And maybe we're doing that right now, blessing candles. Right. So if you, I don't know. I guess giving instructions. It's well, what we're doing right now. People are coming together at the House of Mercy, and. Uh, it's socially distanced, uh, you know, mask safe to have these candles bless lit and bring back the warmth uh, um, to your home for the beginning of Lent to see you through Lent. So 
I guess maybe if you're listening to this right at five and you forgot about that, you could run over to the church and get your cattle blessed. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll wait a couple minutes for you to show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till you oh, get I here. I wanted to yeah. say, you know, that we haven't always been getting this podcast out by five, but if you're someone who likes to listen to it at five, we're, we're going to start doing that. Yeah, more consistently. More consistently. Five o'clock, that's when it drops. That's when it's going to be there, just so we're all ready. And usually it works out fine. It's not like we, re- we usually won't have to make an announcement about something that is occurring exactly at the same time that we're making the announcement <laughs> um, <Yeah>. at five. <laughs> I don't know where we're going or how we got there, but uh, I guess it's just my brain's thawing out a little. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, next week we have a an opportunity to be with people as well. We're doing a, a Zoom service, a quasi It's a quasi-service, yeah. And there's going to be um, everybody, a lot of participation from uh, from different people in the community. Uh, the Brand Family Singers are going to lead us all in some uh, some hymns and some music and play some good music. The youngsters have written some prayers. And uh, there's going to be a scavenger hunt. Um and it's, there's going to be like a, a follow-along home tattoo uh, demonstration. I mean, it's going to be all kinds of good stuff. So it's going to be an opportunity to like sort of hang out with people on Zoom too. Yeah, so. that's kind of a lot of it. So that's next Sunday at five. But there will also be a uh, podcast dropping right at five next week. In addition, yes, to that. So if you need with the Zoom uh, invitation. You will get it in the newsletter. Excuse me. If you don't get the newsletter, you can go to our website and sign up for it. And if you want to get the invitation, but you don't want to sign up for the newsletter, email info at houseofmercy.org and we'll send it to you. This is the House of Mercy and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, as we begin Lent this year, we probably don't need to be reminded of our mortality. We are aware. We might need help remembering that it is nothing to fear, that you have gone before us, that you never leave us. As we make our way through Lent toward death this year, remind us Though it is hard to believe that you have emptied it of any ultimate power, made it non-toxic. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 34, No Depression. Of men are failing These are latter days we know For dread depression now is spreading God's word declares it would be so I'm going where there's no depression To a lovely land that's free from care I'll leave this world of toil and trouble, my home's in heaven. 
up rejoice, ye holy people, before this awful time you'll fly, for Christ will come as he has promised, his bride will meet him in the sky. Join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer petition with God and your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, come and give us life, expansive life, gracious and compassionate life, enough so that we are not afraid to give it away. We pray that you will give us what we need to sustain us and our capacity for mercy someone who loves us, something to make us laugh, something good to eat, something that grows from the ground, or just something we don't have to buy. And when we've been given enough to sustain us, as most days we probably are, may we be grateful and more and more gracious. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us grow in the knowledge that we're connected to each other, across the country and the globe, and grow into the desire to work together, even somehow with those we feel we can barely abide. Recognizing that our survival as a species probably depends on some capacity to cooperate, to feel compassion. Though we may long to come to condemn, though we do condemn, though we thrive in some ways on condemnation, keep nudging us toward mercy not giving up what we care about, but somehow extending it. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us grow in the knowledge that we are connected to the dirt that grows plants and holds bodies, to the farm animals, the birds, the weather that sustains and undoes us. And as we grow in awareness of our connections, may we strengthen our bonds do our part well. Take nothing for granted. Help us do what we need to do to love it all, to be responsible to the enormous web that makes life possible. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And though we failed over and over to do this well, we pray for grace. We pray for forgiveness. And that we will somehow be able to do what we need to do now, to care for those who are suffering, 
from cold that the grid cannot handle, lack of water, disruptions in the food supply, snow, heat, drought, fires, hurricanes, famine, unbreathable air. Help us help each other. Help us modify our consumption, amplify our compassion. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, be present to those who need to feel your love is real, and not just some theological premise. We pray for those in this community who are confronted physically and psychically with fragility and pain and with need. We pray for peace and healing, at least moments of respite for Sonia's dad. We pray for Marion Nolan and her family. We pray that you will hold the Henry family as they grieve, remember, and celebrate Joan. We pray that what we have to face will not overwhelm us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Make it possible for us to be attentive to you now as we pause for silence and bring to you our prayers and our confessions. You have promised to hear us and walk with us in our deepest need. You love us unconditionally and forgive us all of our sin. Thank you. Amen. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately the heavens opened and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, thou art my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Lack of understanding necessarily means lack of control, which results in fear, but can lead to faith, which is the same as the assumption of love. Fear, if one makes a home there, moves to reassert control. Faith, seeking understanding, following where it goes with no guarantee that it can ever be caught. God's uncontrollable love is such that when one acts in faith, which is also the same as the assumption of love, and seeks understanding, that understanding doubles back on its pursuer and pounces, revealing itself to be the actual uncontrollable love of God. So in the end, which you sought to discover 
actually discovers you. And that which you sought to control slips out of your grasp and leaves you holding only a mirror. Here the story of Jesus is set down by Mark. I should warn you, for all the bravado and glorious possibility it begins with, in the end it is, well, disappointing to say the least. I suppose I shouldn't tell you about the end. It's sort of bad manners, I guess, to talk about the end of a story when not everyone has arrived there yet. But that's not really the case here, is it? That the end of the story is a mystery to anyone here? Then again, that's the problem with this story. Everyone knows the end. Well, nobody actually knows the end, but the fact that we all think we know the end, well, that is the same thing. It doesn't happen all at once. Not right away. It takes time, years. It takes time in Sunday school and television and Facebook and history and popular novels and a little love and desire and a promise that one day you will be rich. But it does eventually happen. I mean, of course, I'm stating the obvious. It has already happened. The end of the story changes. It has changed. And I'll tell you the truth, because I know that you care about me. I think it's my fault. I think I'm the one that changed the end of the story. I wrecked it, and I'm sorry. But let me get back to the beginning of the story. Because after all, this is the beginning of Lent. And the end of the story is still six weeks off. It begins with Jesus arriving from Nazareth in Galilee at the Jordan River where John is baptizing. John baptizes Jesus, and as he comes up out of the water, and the veil that separates heaven from earth is torn open, and the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and a voice says to Jesus, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Then the Spirit drives him into the wilderness for 40 days, where he is tempted by Satan. This is actually where the Lent tradition gets its impetus. The point of Lent is to set aside some time to focus on the story of Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection. It's a time to, in a sense, relive the story so that we might identify with it in a deeper way and find in it each cycle through the year new meaning. The season of Lent is 40 days long, set to correspond with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. That, incidentally, is where the first Sunday of Lent, this Sunday in the church calendar, gets its name. This is Quadrigissima Sunday, which is Latin for 40 days. It's really quite interesting. Jesus returns from the wilderness to find that John has been arrested. So Jesus goes back to Nazareth and begins his ministry. 
The story says he came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now that's a pretty good way to start a story. A lone figure walks out of the desert, is anointed by God to be the hero, to do what has to be done to clean up this town. He goes off and is tempted by Satan. You know, his metal is tested, and he comes out of it hard, steely, and ready to ride. He returns to his home, to his people, to set things right. Beginnings of stories are important. I mean, of course, but the end of a story is really the more important part. I mean, it's how the story ends. But the problem here is that while the end of the story really is the most important part. And I think anyone would agree, the end of the story here has been wrecked. It's wrecked. I stole it. Not on purpose. I have this problem. I have this problem. I can't read the words that are actually written on the page. My eyes change them. My eyes turn them from what is actually there to what I think is actually there, from how the story really goes to how I think the story goes. I blame television and movies and Facebook and popular novels. Have you ever played the game where when a TV show or movie starts, you try to guess how it will end? Or maybe throughout, as you're watching, you'll guess what happens next? You'll try to guess who did it, or whatever. Like, Star Trek reruns are the obvious example of this game. The original Star Trek. Although it works pretty well with Star Trek Next Generation as well. Really all the Star Treks. It's like, it's like at the beginner's level of this game. You know, the show starts, it's always the same. They are on some benign scientific mission for some reason. They receive a distress call or a sense of fluctuating trillium levels emanating from the planet's surface or whatever. For some reason, they decide to check it out. So they send an away team. And all the show's regulars go. And then one person you've never seen before. Well, this is just, you know, a well-known trope by now. All the show's regulars go... And then one person you've never seen before. Usually their uniform is a different color than everyone else's. This person is going to die. I like to try and guess the exact time it will take from when I first see the unknown different color uniform guy till he gets vaporized or whatever happens to him. It's usually the beginning of the second act or about... 12 minutes in. It's always been easier to play this game with TV shows than maybe some movies because most television, except for, you know, your premium channels, have have different functions than a movie. TV is meant to make you feel comfortable. You're not binge-watching a show because you want to continually keep being challenged. No. It's meant to make you feel more uncomfortable. To make you feel that the world is the way you expect it to be. 
it purposely f- confirms everything you think. It confirms who the bad people are and who the good people are. And the good people, like you, will be okay in the end. And you will not encounter any situation that you're not familiar with. You will not encounter any question that you don't know the answer to. It makes you feel comfortable. And really, to prove this point, have you ever found yourself watching the television show of those other people? The television show that makes them feel uncomfortable? Feel comfortable? And you find yourself aghast, revolted, shocked, dismissing it out of hand until you change the channel and find people who look like you and talk like you and say generally warm, comments that you easily have echoed. And you get lulled back into that comfort. And sure, why not? Watch just one more episode. I mean, that's why it's so appealing. That's why people say, uh, I'm just going to go home and, you know, watch something. Like we know our brains and our souls enter a catatonic state and we like it. I think I'm just going to go home and, you know, watch something. Turn off my brain for a while. Hour after hour, I see the stories that tell me I'm right. I understand. I know the rules. I know the way the world works. And if it veers out of that, it's wrong. But by the end of the show, someone will put it right. Movies used to be a little different. I mean, again, I must admit, I think my problem had some effect on them as well. You see, some movies used to make me feel uncomfortable. They would sometimes present things in a way that I would not expect. Or they would challenge me, critique my worldview and the way I lived in the world. I could not guess the endings. But, like, after a while, my discomfort with being uncomfortable caused my eyes to change them. Because now when I see a movie, well, it's just like any show on Netflix. You know, and I don't know if this is always a good thing. That all these shows I'm watching agree with me and come out the way I hope they would that reassure me. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to ask yourself questions that you don't know the answers to. With the end of the story all messed up, it it totally changes the rest of the story. I have infected the story by changing the end. Not only does it turn out the way I expected it to, the whole story goes along just the way I think it will. 
I mean, I, I don't even think I need Lent. Or what's worse, I cannot have Lent. It's like I'm immune to Lent. I might as well skip all the way to Good Friday, everything, and just sit down to Easter brunch right now. You see, I can't focus on Mark's story of Jesus. I can't even read it because every time I try, the words change. I can't in these 40 days come to a deeper understanding of this story, of Jesus' story, of this life and death and resurrection. I can't go any deeper than my own expectations. I've been reading it far too long, changing the ending far too long. And I want to know how the story really goes, how the story really ends. But you know what? I think something is happening. I think something different this year is happening. Something is changing, has been changing. Because the last time I read the story, I saw these words that I didn't put there. They were afraid because they did not understand. It's right there at the end of the story. They were afraid because they did not understand. Afraid, did not understand. I think the story might be changing back. This is God's table. Now they're welcome. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave it for all to drink and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me.
may the source of love and life enable you to proceed without too much fear, give with at least some abandon, sustain you with infinite mercy. Amen.